This is part 7 of our series on Jonah. We're starting chapter 4. We finished up chapter 3 last time. You could consider a theme for chapter 4 as Jonah's displeasure and God's gracious dealing with Jonah. Or we're seeing again God's grace on display. This fourth chapter of Jonah is like an add-on to the book of Jonah. Because you get through chapter 3, you think mission is accomplished, everything ended up right, and maybe in our own perspective, we might have liked chapter 4 to be left out of the book of Jonah. Because we see Jonah left the northern kingdom of Israel. He had left Gath Hefer, his hometown. His destination was Nineveh. It took him three chapters to get there, and we went through all that happened to him before he got there, but he finally got there. Mission has been accomplished. The entire city has turned to God. Talk about a successful preacher. The entire city estimated some 600,000 souls repent and turn to God. A preacher right with God would be, any preacher right with God be so excited about that, you couldn't contain the excitement in that preacher. But Jonah wasn't excited about 600,000 souls turning to God. The problem now hasn't been the fish. The problem wasn't really even the sin of Nineveh, even though that was a great problem. The problem we've been looking at all throughout the book of Jonah is Jonah himself, is Jonah's attitude, is Jonah's heart, is Jonah's self-centeredness. Jonah was a problem child. God had more trouble with a backsliding prophet by the name of Jonah than he had with an entire city of brutal, cruel, and pagan sinners. Think about that for a minute. I know personally, if I'd had the privilege of being the one who brought God's message to a city of some 600,000 souls, saw them all get saved, turn to God, repent, and stave off God's judgment, I would be so excited I couldn't contain myself. I'd be going around telling everybody about this, probably for years to come. I, could, I don't think I could stop rejoicing about that. But Jonah didn't rejoice about that. Jonah had a significantly different reaction. At the very beginning, we saw in the book of Jonah that he was called to go in one direction, and he headed in another direction. God is going to seek to win Jonah over to his viewpoint here in chapter 4. Now let's look at Jonah chapter 4, 1 to 3 as a whole. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take I beseech thee my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. If you noticed here in verses 2 to 3, Jonah refers to himself eight times. In a short little prayer to God, he refers to himself eight times. Man is very selfish and self-centered in nature. Jonah, all through the book of Jonah so far, I've been reading about Jonah. Jonah was living a very self-centered life instead of a God-centered life. Everything was revolving around Jonah. Everything mattered because how it affected Jonah. We see a repentance. He turned to God. He turned to God in chapter 2. The end of his prayer, he had turned to God. He turned to God. But here he was back to the same old Jonah. He's out of that crisis. He's out of that, that moment of needing God. Now he's back to the same old self-centered. Everything revolves around Jonah. Everything in the universe should be to please Jonah's point of view. Here you see again Jonah's self-centeredness. Man is a very selfish person by nature. Man is self-centered by nature. That is why we need to discipline ourselves to be God-centered instead of self-centered. How do we discipline ourselves to be God-centered? That's by reading our Bible every day, 
by praying to God, asking for forgiveness every day, by going to church. Everything we do, like everything we do in our life, should be God-centered, not self-centered. We saw in, in verse one, man is rebellious by nature. We saw in verse two and three, man is selfish by nature. If you notice, though, in the middle of verse two, he says, "For I know thou art a gracious God and merciful." Wasn't Jonah just a benefit at the end of chapter two of God's mercy? Did, wasn't God merciful and gracious to him by preparing a fish for him? Merciful and gracious for him by causing this storm? Merciful and gracious to him by keeping him alive for three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish? Merciful and gracious to him by having a fish spit him out on dry land? God has done nothing but demonstrate graciousness and mercifulness to Jonah. And here is Jonah complaining that God is gracious and God is merciful. Self-centeredness. Jonah thinking about himself, not even realizing what he's complaining to God about is what is the only reason that Jonah is still alive at this moment because of God's grace and God's mercy. And isn't that the truth about any of us, though? The only reason we're alive, the only reason that we're, we're still here on earth living the life that the Lord is blessing us with is because of God's grace and God's mercy. Let's look at verse 3 a little more closely here. Therefore, now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. That's Jonah chapter 4, verse 3. So if you think back, two of the greatest prophets of Scripture said the same thing. When the prophet Elijah ran from Jezebel, another man running away, which was very unlike him, he went all the way to Beersheba, which was a jumping-off place from Sinai Peninsula. Elijah left his servant there and kept on going as long as he could. When he was out of breath, he crawled up under a juniper tree and said, O Lord, let me die. When God's man does that, he is exhausted. He is drained physically, mentally, psychologically, spiritually. Every drop of everything in him is out. He's done. He's spent. That was true of Elijah. He'd been busy, extremely busy. He had withstood the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. He had been before the public, and although Elijah loved the spectacular, he loved the dramatic, it had drained him after a while. So when he heard that Jezebel was after him, that was it. That's all it took. He simply took off out of the country. Now, I think you'll agree that Jonah was really, has really been through the mill. In fact, he's been through a fish. He's had quite the experience. And then he came into the city of Nineveh. He gave out God's word faithfully, and the entire city turned to God. This man is now overwrought, overstimulated. He is exhausted, absolutely drained, physically, mentally, emotionally. He is 100% spent. And now the Bible records him as saying, it's better for me to die than to live. Many of us sometimes can reach a stage like this. We get to the place where we feel like saying, this is it, I give up, I quit, I cannot go on any further. We're tired, we're exhausted, we're mentally exhausted, we're mentally spent, physically exhausted, we're spiritually exhausted. When we get to that point, that is when we need to run to God. We need to not be angry with God. We need to not be self-centered, just pour out our heart to God. Give it all over to him. Seek his love. Seek his comfort. Just pour out your heart to God like David did over and over again in the Psalms. Just leave it to God. Give it to God. And let him give you his strength to get through that moment, moment by moment, second by second, minute by minute. The Lord will strengthen you. The Lord will pull you from that point and bring you into his love. He'll wrap his loving arms around you. He'll give you the strength. He'll give you the encouragement. He'll give you what you need to move past that thought move past that point of discouragement, that deep discouragement. The Lord will see you through. The Lord will not forsake you. The Lord will be there for you. The Lord will show his love, his kindness, his graciousness. The Lord will meet that need, and the Lord will get you past that. He needed not have this self-centered anger displayed at God. 
It's understandable he was mentally exhausted. Understandable he was physically exhausted. That's understandable. The first chapter is 1, 2, and 3 of Jonah. This man has been through a lot in a short time. But he should have gotten past that self-centeredness. He should have learned his lesson. Three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. But he didn't. He went back to that self-centeredness about him. And let that, his own sin, his own self-centeredness sin, bring him down. We need to be looking up to God and not looking inward to ourselves. If you have the Lord, you always have hope. Lamentations 3, starting in verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Lamentations 3, 21-26. So let's recap chapter 4 so far. We have, if you remember in our outline, we have chapter 1. Chapter 1 is Jonah fleeing. Chapter 2 is Jonah praying. Chapter 3 is Jonah preaching. And now chapter 4 is Jonah learning. We just looked at chapter 4, verses 1-3. to And so far, Jonah's not learning anything yet. I mean, verse 1, But it pleased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. See, demonstration of man is rebellious. And then in verse 2, it says, I pray thee, I was yet in my country, I fled before Tarshish, I knew thou art gracious. And in verse 3, it says, I beseech thee, my life from me, it is better for me. We notice man's selfishness, man's self-centeredness. And then in verse 3, we can see how Jonah got very depressed, very down, very worn out, very mentally spent. Then starting in verse 4, we see more of God's gracious dealing with Jonah. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? Well, we can see out here in verse 4, God is saying, Jonah, I have saved Nineveh because I am in the saving business. I saved sinners. I saved you. I wanted you to bring them the message of judgment to see whether or not they would turn to me. If they turned to me, I would save them. Jonah's anger at God was not justified. Our anger at God is never justified. God did what God would do. God wanted them to be saved. They repented, and so they were saved. And Jonah here is having misplaced anger. He's angry because all these people got saved. He's angry because God is consistent. He's angry because God wanted them saved. They repented and they got saved. He's angry at God for being God, basically, here. He's angry that God demonstrated to them graciousness, and he's just been a recipient of God demonstrating graciousness to him. He's angry because God showed mercy to them. Well, Jonah just had God showing mercy to him. He's angry because God spared their life and didn't rain down judgment upon them. Well, God just spared Jonah's life and didn't rain down permanent judgment on him. So it's really quite strange why Jonah is angry at God here. Jonah is angry at God for doing the exact same thing to the Ninevites that God just did to Jonah himself. This is all a symptom of Jonah's self-centeredness, Jonah's selfishness, Jonah looking at himself and not looking at God. Jonah looking at himself and not looking at the needs of others. Jonah hated these Ninevites so much that he did not want them to be saved. He did not want them to be spared. Jonah had let that self-centeredness turn into bitterness towards these people. He'd let his hatred towards these people, his self-centered attitude, turn, toward, turn into bitterness. And now Jonah was in a very bad spot in his life. Have we let something in our life, some hatred towards a person or some disappointment or anger at a situation turn into bitterness in our life? Have we ever, have we let that happen? We need to get that right with God. We need to put that on the altar. We need to cast that to the Lord's feet. 
Ask forgiveness for that bitterness. Ask forgiveness for that self-centered attitude. As you can see demonstrated here in Jonah, self-centeredness is not a good attribute to have. We're reading about the self-centeredness of Jonah, and we're not getting a good opinion or a good uh, feeling about Jonah at this moment in his life. We could be doing the same thing, maybe not on quite the scale that Jonah has done it here, that we could have the same roots of bitterness in our life. We could have that same self-centeredness and selfishness in our life. We can be just as rebellious to God as Jonah was. We can be just as angry and upset at God as Jonah was. We can let ourselves get just as down and depressed as Jonah did. There's a lot of lessons, a lot of things we can learn from Jonah's extremely bad example right now in chapter 4 of Jonah. We need to apply those lessons to our life, though. Is there any areas in our life where we are being rebellious to God? We need to seek those out and ask forgiveness. Can we find areas in our life that we are very self-centered and selfish in nature? I think all of us can find those areas in our life. We need to seek forgiveness for that and get that right with God and perhaps get that right with others. Are there other areas in your life where you've just let that root of bitterness build up and it's caused you some depression in your life? We need to seek to get that right. You need to forgive who you need to forgive. You need to ask God for forgiveness. And God will demonstrate that graciousness to you. God will demonstrate that mercy to you. And God will forgive you of that. And God will help you get past those sins. God will help you get past that sin of rebellion. God will help you get past that sin of selfishness. And God will help you get past and get through that bitterness. 